today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. Harvey Levin here. And Jason. So Alex Murdoch has uh, gotten his comeuppance um, for murdering his wife and his son. I am stunned by what the judge said. Hmm. I found it just amazing. And and as I thought about it, you know, I, I think this is opening up a whole thing we need to talk about, which is why the prosecution did not seek the death penalty. I thought the judge was actually quietly very critical of the prosecution for not doing it. Let, let's talk about it in a minute because okay. I, I think that's right to a point, yeah. but I also understand why the prosecution may not have oh, sought okay, the death I, penalty. I'd like an explanation for that, so that's great. Here's what the judge said. In this case, qualifies under our death penalty statute based on the statutory aggravating circumstances of two or more people being murdered by the defendant by one act or pursuant to one scheme or course of conduct that over the past century, your family, including you, have been prosecuting people here in this courtroom and many have received the death penalty, probably for lesser conduct. So the judge said, which is just stunning, um, there are people who have been sentenced to death for less. Right. Well, I mean, that is a shot at the prosecutors, yes. right? On on the surface. Right. Yes. And, you know, it, it, you got to think... That a lot of people who have followed this trial and maybe the prosecution team as well said, did we blow this? And 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 the reason is, and remember, the judge said this case has captured national attention. He thought it was significant that this was an esteemed lawyer at one point in the community. And he went from the judge went from feeling heartbroken for him to then realizing what a reviled person he is and should be. Yes. So you hear this and you think, why the hell didn't they ask for the death penalty? So here's my theory. Mm -hmm. You don't have to prove motive in murder cases. Juries like to hear it because they can make sense of why somebody did what they did, especially if it's a circumstantial evidence case, which this is. Right. And sometimes when you overcharge somebody... It gives the jury well, and and when I say overcharge, when you when you seek the highest charge, the highest penalty, you know the stakes are the death penalty. In a situation like that, it may give the jury pause if they don't feel it is at a level that would warrant killing somebody. So I, my only pushback on that, Harvey, is I don't know, and I don't know anything about South Carolina procedure, but I don't know that the jury would have even been aware that it is or is not a death. Now, they may have heard it, and there are they are they were not sequestered, so they can hear things out, outside they, the world. They, they knew this is not a death penalty case. If it became a death penalty case, look, these are people living in the town, in the community, so they know that this is... You know, and and they know this, um, and this is something too that would come up in in closing argument and all. You know, if they had sought it, yeah. Well, but but here's here's what yeah. I'm saying. The motive in this case has always been a little weird. That 
his financial misdeeds were about to be exposed, and therefore he killed his wife and son. I don't think it's- Well, also in- he was high on, on countless opioids as well. That's not a motive, but- but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, it's not like I killed them for life sure, insurance sure, sure, money. Sure, it's sure, not sure. like, right. you know, there are clear motives that people have yeah. in killing. I, I I watch a lot of Dateline. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are clear motives that people have in killing. Yeah. And this is not clear. And everybody's kind of conceded that. You don't need to prove it. But if the jury starts to wonder God, do we want the death penalty in a situation like this? Is this a case where you convict the guy and he's sentenced to death and we don't understand the motive? That's what I think is behind the prosecutor you, saying we're not going to see You the may death be penalty. right, and I can't get into the prosecutor's heads, but what you're saying makes sense. Here's my, here's my thought. If that's the case, if that's why they didn't see it, bad on the prosecutor. Like, look, I, you can feel however you want about the death penalty, but it's issued, it, it's legal in South Carolina and South Carolina employs the death penalty as much as as much as you think it would, right? It's a conservative Southern state that believes in the death penalty. So, and the judge's point was he sees people in his courtroom all the time that are sentenced to death for lesser crimes. Right. I don't know why they didn't go after this guy for, the for that penalty. reason. For but, the, for, but but that's a terrible reason. Let me give you an example. Have you ever heard of situations, and this happens a lot, where prosecutors could charge either for murder or manslaughter and they choose manslaughter because they can't prove the murder case. Right. Not, it, it, they, they could prove the murder case, but it's not as strong as the manslaughter case, and they're worried that if they go for murder, the jury's going to say, Ugh. "It's a different. It's a different in kind." But it's, those, it's those are different charges. One of which this is this is attempting to get a punishment that fits the crime. And if the prosecutor's going to look, what, what this was a slam. And there's no such. I was going to say slam dunk. Because other things is slam dunk. I covered seen, the O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson, Casey Anthony. Can I tell you something? O.J. Simpson was a stronger case in terms of proof. Than Alex Murdoch. Oh, uh, let's. I don't want to compare them because I can't go toe to toe with you and OJ. What I can say about Alex Murdoch is there is video and audio evidence of him at the scene of Dude, the crime. He's guilty, <laughs> and yes. and he lied about it, and they convicted him in three hours. I, I, well, so, they convicted OJ, I believe, in two. Well, no, they didn't. Oh. I, excuse me, they acquitted him acquitted in two. They acquitted him yeah. in two. But, I'm, ju- I'm just but, saying, I, I get your point. Maybe pragmatics would say, maybe if I were to go to the pro- prosecutor was sitting here with us, he'd say, look, we just felt that it might torpedo the whole thing. I, I just, I hear the judge's words, and I think that what the judge is saying, and I, I'm reading tea leaves here, I think what he is saying is that there is something about society, wealth, and race yes. that caused this case to be prosecuted differently than if it was a poor black kid sitting in this chair. Oh, my God. I did not hear that. That's what, that's when he said lesser cases. Look, I don't think he was bringing those elements in. ah, I I, I, I don't. I do. I I think, I I think he was just saying that you killed your wife and son. You shot them to death. You literally shot your son in the head where his brain hit the ceiling and then came down to the ground. Yeah. And I think he's saying that when you look at other murder cases, you know, where somebody shoots a stranger, shoots somebody in a bank robbery, as heinous as it is, this is worse. Yeah, no, he's definitely saying that. So and it's not it's not a racial thing. No, it's not he's a, saying so therefore though in those cases, which is just some kid killing somebody. Oh, I don't want to say it's just. It's a horrible, heinous crime, but it's a kid killing somebody in a, 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 a who's robbing, right? 
And we were prosecuting those to the death penalty, but here we have this man who in cold blood killed his wife and his child, but we're not seeking the death penalty here. He's sort of asking the question rhetorically, why the distinction? But you're assuming a conclusion here that the jury, that, 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 that the prosecution going in knows they're going to get a conviction. What I'm saying to you is that you do not have to prove motive in a murder case, but um, it helps. And when you offer it, and it's not as strong as life insurance money, another woman, you know, things that are very clear to a jury. Easy to understand, right, yeah. That it gave them pause. And I think that's why they did it. Because otherwise, know. look, otherwise, and 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 by the way, um, and I believe I'm right here, the evidence of the audio at the dog kennel, which really is the smoking gun in this case, if there is one. Putting him at the scene when he lied and said he wasn't. Um, I think that came in later. They got that later in the investigation. I don't know if it was at the time they made a decision on not seeking the death penalty, but my recollection from reading all of this- It definitely came in later because he he was forced to admit that he had lied during the case proceedings. He initially said he wasn't there at all. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. So let's say if if the prosecutor didn't have that, and it, this was more circumstantial than that. Maybe you could uh, yeah. understand why they would say I, I, I might, but I, I would also need I would also need to further understand. Th- this goes to the point that I was making initially. Do you even have to raise the issue of punishment? You know, typically it's bifurcated, right? You will, the jury will make a determination on punishment and uh, on, on on guilt, and then but, but 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 hold on, yeah. There's nothing that would stop the defense from saying they are seeking the death. Yes, pe- no, I think it, I and think so, it would. And, I, I don't think they could say that to a jury. Be else that, because it happens all the time, right? Where juries convict somebody of murder, and then they're, can, they're, can, the judge says, "Thank you very much for your service. Good news, you get four more weeks of service to determine uh, uh, punishment." Can we agree? Yeah. That in that town, everybody knew what was going on. I, I I really want to yeah probably yeah. I really want to hear from the prosecutor I want an explanation given in light of the judge's comments I want a public explanation of why they didn't go for the death and if you're right if they say look we didn't think we could get it we thought it would undermine our entire under uh, our case then I'd say that makes total sense if it's something short of that they they weren't showing mercy to this guy I I think that this is a guy here's what I think I think they went into it your explanation seems like explanation one explanation two is here is a respected member of this town's elite. And we don't think that the jurors 
are going to give the death penalty. We don't want to lose the death penalty part part of the case. He had already lost his law license. He was a yeah. disgra- he was a disgraced lawyer. He was stealing from a quadriplegic. He was stealing from other clients. He may very well have killed the the, na- the, the, kid's the nanny. housekeeper. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so they had so much on this guy in terms of turning him into an absolute scumbag that I don't think that was an issue. I don't think. They worried at all that they were going to look at this guy as an esteemed lawyer. They were going to look at this guy as a scumbag, and they knew that. Yeah. So uh, now know. the other issue yeah. is appeal, that he is almost certainly going to appeal this. There is no way this is getting reversed. There is something in the law, as you know, called harmless error, where even if the judge made a mistake on, a, on an evidentiary ruling, um, if that evidentiary ruling would not have caused a different verdict in a, you know, looking at it with a reasonable lens that um, the conviction stands. And there is so much here, and especially the fact that he took the stand, acknowledged that he lied about that key piece of evidence, which is being at the dog kennel, and other things about, you know, the GPS showing that you know, all of this stuff would have have to happen in 20 seconds that he was talking about, and it made no sense. There is so much evidence that I think overwhelmingly convicts this guy that even if there's some issue, it's harmless error. I I, I agree. Uh, I agree with the conclusion that it's harmless error. I also think that there was a big evidentiary risk taken by the prosecutors and the judge in admitting it. All these past financial crimes, so they introduced at trial years of financial crimes that don't that that that, uh, they admitted to the jury that really aren't directly relevant to the question of whether or not he killed his wife. And I think that was a stretch. I remember in the OJ case, there was lie detector information evidence that was brought brought before. No, actually, that was my story. But that was right before the civil trial. Nobody knew. Nobody knew that OJ had taken and flunked a polygraph two days after it was introduced to the civil trial, though. Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, I found out about this. Li- that, I know the judge. I'm. I covered the civil trial. I am virtually positive, and again, yeah, I'm a little bit older. But my memory is. <laughs> well, it's been a while. My but, memory yeah. is that they did not admit it. But I got that story when I was working as a uh, at, at that, CBS in Los Angeles. And you know what I did? I'll. T- I mean, I'll. Th- th- I love this stuff. Okay, I'll tell th- you. This a- should actually be the Harvey Levin hour <laughs> backstory. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So um, obviously, I covered the criminal trial. Right before the civil trial started, I got a tip from somebody that o- that Robert Shapiro had taken O.J. Simpson two days after the murders to get a lie detector test. And that's all I knew. So I, at the time, I, li- I pulled out the yellow pages and I looked under polygraph examiners and they were all on Wilshire Boulevard in the mid-Wilshire area yeah. of Los Angeles. And they were there was like a cluster of them. Yeah. And... The person who gave me the tip would only say the waiting room was a very austere waiting room, very little furniture, and that's all I knew. So you went waiting room I, to I w- waiting room. I went on Wilshire Boulevard, and I walked into every polygraph office, and they didn't match. But then I went to one, and it was the office of Ed Gelb, who was a very famous polygrapher who ended up doing a television show. Uh-huh. And... Um, so Ed, so I looked in the waiting room and I thought, this matches what this guy told me. And so I went down to the garage and I saw the parking attendant and I walked up to him and I said, so 
can I ask you something? Did you ever see O.J. Simpson here? Yeah. <laughs> he said he came with that lawyer dude um, a couple of days after the murder. And so I thought, oh, my God. And I went back upstairs and I asked if I could speak to Ed Gelb. And he came out and I said, I'm Harvey Levin with uh, CBS in Los Angeles. And um, I have gotten information that O.J. Simpson came here and took a lie detector test. And he was very, you know, he said, look, I can't comment on clients. And I thought, OK, that's true. Then. Right, right, right. And but then he said a couple of things that made it pretty clear to me. O.J. was there and he flunked. And then I called some other people. And what happens with stories like that is you get some information and it allows you to get other yeah, information yeah. because people know you, you can know. drop the nugget of information. That's and right. People know that you're on. Yeah. And so I ended up getting that story uh -huh. that he and, and and they stopped in the middle. He was doing so poorly. They stopped in the middle, which to this day, to this day, you have got to wonder why did Robert Shapiro take O.J. Simpson to get a lie detector yeah, test, but he I, did. I can't say, I, but the, that was far afield. I, I well, I brought, I brought it up because I actually remember my law professor, who you know, Stan Goldman. Yeah. Uh, uh, at the time, he was my law professor, who covered O.J. Simpson. Who covered O.J. Simpson, and and he said, I remember him saying, in relation to the lie detector test, the prosecution, or maybe it was the plaintiffs in the in the civil case, they just don't need it. Like, why take the risk of introducing it when you just don't need it to prove the case? And that's sort of the way I feel about. Uh, that's what you're saying about Alex Murdoch. Like the harmless, it's only it's only error, reversible error if it was essential to the conviction. And I'm if saying you might have had a if you might have had a different, different outcome. Answer. Yeah. And, so, and so I'm saying about all this financial crimes, like I don't really think I I don't really think I'd but all the financial all the financial stuff was really murky to me. There was so much. I mean, and look, it is so powerful that here is right. here is Alex Murdoch at the dog kennel. Right, right when it happens, as he denies But they him, spent deni two days with him on the stand saying, did you defraud your law partners and walking through that? Did you defraud the community but you know why by taking you, loans? You, you, but you know one, one of the reasons I think that all happened is when, he, you know, look, they needed to prove that he is an habitual liar and that he's telling the jury something now. Why should they believe him now when his M.O. in life but, is... But that proves too much, right? Then you'd always allow prior bad acts to come in, right? They're a habitual criminal, they're a habitual liar. We know that the that the the assumption is, the default is that those kinds of prior acts are not admissible unless you can show that they, they make up a pattern of conduct. And that's clearly what happened but you, here. You, you know he's, they're going to they're going to uphold uh, the conviction. But you're, like I said, your conclusion is absolutely right. There is no chance in the world that the South Carolina Appeals Court or Supreme Court is going to overturn this conviction of Alex Murdoch. Zero. Okay, and then we're going to end with this. Every weekend on TMZ.com, we put nine polls up to kind of take the temperature of people, or, you know, just to find out how they feel about things that are in the news in the, that, yeah. that week. One of the questions I'm going to put in there for this weekend, bigger liar, mm. Alex Murdoch, George Santos. Oh, interesting. What do you think? How do you describe a bigger liar? They both. I think those are your options. I think George Santos is a bigger liar. I think Santos is going to win this. <laughs> Or lose this. <laughs> or lose this, right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Yeah.